Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Raw? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Raw? Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? I'm George Reister with Ralph Amsden. Great show for you guys today. So we have special guest Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Interview with him in just a couple minutes. The Reese's Senior Bowl. The Reese's Senior Bowl. <laughs> Dude, listen, listen, I'm not going to begrudge the man for having a, a, a sponsor with Deep Pockets. But I'm still not eating Reese's. It's still not, still not happening. The candy's terrible. But at the end of the day, you know, he, listen, people, people have choices. What other things, what company actually makes Reese's? Like, what other things do they make? Is it Hershey? Is Hershey the parent corporation of Reese's? I don't know. Figure it out real real quick while I tell everybody right, else right. what else is on. I uh, so uh, Drew Locke, who's 24, is 8-10 and 10 as a starter. He's the starting quarterback for now, at least, for the Denver Broncos. But today they traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Who will be the starter there and all of that? Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence spurned Nike, Under Armour, everybody, and they go with Adidas. Interesting that LeBron James is now in the crosshairs of the police after a bad tweet. 
And should he be public enemy number one? Because there is a, a restaurant owner in Ohio that says that he will not show NBA games until LeBron James is expelled from the NBA. Um, Mark Emeritt, the president of the NCAA, is given an extension in a Larry Scott move. And I, I'm going to tell you, I hate it. I hate it with the power of a thousand sons. And also cancel or consequence Dr. J hating on LeBron James and, of course, the best of social media. You guys, make sure that you guys email us. I'm mad at unafraidshow.com if you want to get a hold of us or shoot us a text. You guys have been using that text line. Keep it up. 818-293-7547. 818-293-7547. Uh, I guess we'll start today with the Teddy Bridgewater talk dude before we get to the Jim Nagy interview the Teddy Bridgewater talk uh, so there was a trade today you had the Panthers trading Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos for a sixth round pick and now everybody's wondering are they still going to be in on a quarterback what does this mean for Drew Locke and I'm like they didn't believe in Drew Locke anyway they liked Drew Locke they didn't love Drew Locke Oh, okay. <laughs> I I mean, I guess that's as good of an explanation as you can give. I can't top that. I think that they like Drew Locke, but they don't believe in him. I mean, I, I don't know if I can put it any better. He's 8-10 and 10 as a starter. He he showed promise in, in his first short run uh, as the Denver Broncos quarterback, but when they gave him the keys last year for a 13-game run, he had 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and a 57% completion percentage. I feel like they think that that's a large enough sample size to say this isn't our franchise guy, plus now you actually have a transition in who's calling the shots at the top because for the longest time, John Elway struggled to find a, a quarterback was probably the Denver Broncos biggest weakness, even though he did get them a Super Bowl by um, out convincing the uh, the Arizona Cardinals when they were both vying for Peyton Manning services uh, coming off of uh, his his neck injury in Indianapolis. So, you know, outside of outside of being able to to talk Peyton Manning out of going to Arizona, John Elway really didn't do much for them as far as the quarterback position. No, um, as which far was, as the it, offense, it was, the offense. Period wasn't just the quarterback position; it was the offense where they failed. I mean, their their defense is always pretty good, but the offense has not been it. Right. The probably the the, the biggest thing that. Uh, the, the Denver Broncos are, are known for the last decade outside of their Super Bowl um, destruction of the Carolina Panthers is uh, giving credence to the Tim Tebow legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by losing by losing in a, in, in a playoff game. They are the reason for all of the hot takes and all of the headaches by giving up an, an overtime touchdown pass um, to, to Tim Tebow. So uh, or was that the Steelers? No, by getting I, I apologize. I'm I'm all over the place. Here's the deal. I I'm kind of flummoxed by trading for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm flummoxed by the Carolina Panthers giving up on Teddy Bridgewater. I, I was excited as a newly minted resident of Charlotte to to root for a quarterback that I've always really liked uh, to put on for the city that I live in. Now uh, I'm a lifelong Denver Broncos hater, and so I will not be rooting for Teddy Bridgewater to succeed in Denver. But it, it's just interesting all around that. It, 
do the Panthers really think that Sam Darnold is the guy? Do, does a no, GM see, with the, ties to Minnesota really believe Teddy Bridgewater is the guy that they thought he was going to be back in the day? Um, I, I'm just a little bit confused by all of it. See, okay, so here is my takeaway from it is that Carolina, they didn't see the efficiency and willingness to throw the ball down the field and be explosive that they wanted to see out of Teddy Bridgewater. So they're like, yo, we'll give Sam Darnold to try. But now you know that Carolina is in the is in the quarterback business, right? They're sitting at number eight in the draft. So we know quarterbacks are going one, two, and three. What Atlanta does remains to be seen. Cincinnati's not taking a quarterback. Miami's not taking a quarterback at six. Detroit's not taking a quarterback. So then that leaves Carolina to get one of the quarterbacks. And Denver trading for Teddy Bridgewater, I think that that signals even more, right, that the 49ers are not taking Mac Jones. I don't see it. I don't believe it. None of that, dude. There is... It, it would be inexplicable to trade up to number three when you don't control your own destiny and then you're left with whoever the Jets take and the Jacksonville Jaguars take. Dra- Jacksonville is taking Trevor Lawrence. The Jets likely are taking Zach Wilson. But if the Jets don't, then if you're the uh, if you're San Francisco, you're just left at the mercy of what the Jets do instead of being able to control your own destiny. So you might as well stay where you were. I suppose. I just think that uh, I don't know if this solves anything for Denver. It, it definitely takes the wind out of the sails of any confidence in Drew Locke whatsoever. He might as well start angling to, to find wherever his next home is going to be. Um, he's only 20. 24 years old. He's eight and 10 as a, as a starter. He in certain situations has looked promising in a tough environment to actually play quarterback. And I say that I'm a Denver Broncos hater, but that doesn't mean that I haven't been paying close attention to them over the years as somebody who's from Wyoming. All anybody ever wanted to do is talk about the Broncos. So I watched all those Terrell Davis, John Elway, uh, Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith teams. I could probably name every single person on both sides of the ball uh, for, for that entire run that they had. And then after that, probably my favorite college football player of all time ended up their starter for four years uh and then i hate watched them while they had jay cutler and then you know and everything after that it's pretty much been my job to pay attention um to what's going on there and so i just i don't see this as necessarily being the answer for them while it would be great for teddy bridgewater to finally get a shot surrounded by um the type of offensive talent that he would need to showcase what it looked like he was going to be in the early days denver doesn't have that they just don't yeah um and and so but i I don't think he needs to angle for a new location yet because he still got a shot right he still got a shot they brought in teddy bridgewater not peyton peyton manning I think he's going to have a chance to compete for the job. I don't think it's automatically Teddy's just because they traded for him. Um, Interestingly enough, though, assuming that Mac Jones is not. So if Mac Jones is the pick at number three for San Francisco, even though I've doubled and tripled down that that's not going to happen. That would mean that obviously that. Uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance would be in play for Carolina and for some other people. 
But uh, you have now Trevor Lawrence, who has signed a crypto deal, right? Which I think is is very notable. He signed a deal with uh, what the heck is the name of that company? Um, yeah, so he signed a deal with uh, oh lord, with um, Black yeah, with Blackfolio. It's a F FXT. They have you know, it's a big money thing, and he's getting paid there in cryptocurrency, which I don't mind. And but he also signed another deal with Adidas. So him and Justin Fields signed with Adidas coming out of uh, college. I found that very surprising considering, number one, they both played at Nike schools and they're both very highly regarded. So you would have thought that one of them would have ended up with Nike, right? Maybe I'm not surprised. Why not? Because I go because I go to these rivals camps. I was at one this last weekend in Atlanta. I go to these rivals camps. Um, I see the nation's top prospects and I see who's hanging around them. And we at rivals used to be affiliated with Adidas after we were with Under Armour. When I first started, we had a two year year three-year run where we were affiliated with adidas and in that time everywhere i went was ryan lacy and zach soskin ryan lacy's still there uh with adidas as their directors of of grassroots relationships and they were at all of these combines and all of these camps asking questions about you know the the players that they should um you know form relationships with plus they were smart enough to know on their own who was good Good, who was marketable and they were in these prospects ears from 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 the very start i mean guys like ryan lacy they they know all these high school coaches yeah right and and so when you see the type of relationships that a guy like ryan lacy is able to develop with prospects from a, a very young age it's not surprising to me that trevor lawrence would come out sign with adidas and call them family right same with justin fields and so uh when it comes down to it i think the real question isn't you know, did Justin Fields, is it a surprise that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, probably the most two brandable and notable names from this upcoming NFL draft, as far as how you're going to be able to market them? It, it, the question shouldn't be, is it a surprise that they signed with Adidas? The question should be, does this spell trouble for Nike? Is Nike um, screwing up when it comes to their grassroots efforts? Okay, so they have not been as active in the grassroots efforts as Under Armour and Adidas were, right? And Adidas is very, very heavily into it. And especially then you add in Kanye, the Yeezys, all of that. So it's a significant thing. And Adidas had, had well, they're making a push now because they got fear of God over there, which, which the kids like to... It's been a big difference in like previously Nike could market you significantly better. You know what I mean? Like if you like if you look at what Jordan was able to do versus if he had gone to Adidas, it's different, right? But now they're right. able to do that. But 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 my question is because Aaron Rodgers is over at Adidas too. I never see him in any Adidas marketing materials 
So I'm wondering, and Tom Tom Brady's over at Under Armour. I see him over there sometimes in advertisements. So I'm wondering if you took a check or if there is a significant marketing plan behind it. Because I remember seeing what happened with the Puma guys when they signed Bagley and they signed DeAndre Ayton. Like those are big signings. They were top draft picks. But then how much does that One and two, turn, yeah. how much does that turn into a brand for them? Like imagine what Steph Curry, who's with Under Armour now, he owns part of the, the company and all that, but the company's not super healthy right now. Imagine if he had actually if Nike had given him the type of deal that he had wanted coming out, imagine like the the line of shoes, clothes, everything being at how popular that he is. You know, there probably wouldn't have Kyrie on the line if it worked for Curry. I think the smart thing is to go with the people who who rode with you from the beginning. And and that's with me also recognizing that some of this stuff is super skeezy. Um, <laughs> it's made that way by the NCAA making them essentially take a break between when they have a relationship with a company and when and then they can get back in that relationship with a company like the NCAA makes these kids go on break. Right. So Deion, you talk about DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley signing with Puma. Um, I think Michael Porter Jr. was also in, in the mix with, with Puma coming out of that draft. And the interesting thing about that is Nike used to follow DeAndre Ayton around like a puppy dog. Nike uh, had a deal with Hillcrest where um, DeAndre Ayton went to high school and DeAndre Ayton turned around and went to a Nike school in University of Arizona with Marvin Bagley. <laughs> with Marvin Bagley, Nike gave Marvin Bagley's dad the money to run his e EYBL team, Phoenix Family. Nike paid for that. And then Marvin Bagley went to a Nike school in Duke. And then well, when he it went came to time, a Nike high school first when he transferred to Sierra Canyon and then went to Duke. Right. Right. And so and then and then at the end of the day, both of those big men just tried to secure the bag as much as possible. And I'm not sure that was the best idea for their marketing because they had people who had invested four or five years in them who probably spent that four or five years trying to come up with a plan. Yep. Right. As to what they were going to do. And now you have a Mar Marvin Bagley, the third over in Sacramento. The only time he makes news is when his dad you know, says that the Kings need to to trade him. And then you have DeAndre Ayton, who's part of a very successful team now in Phoenix, but he's essentially the third option on the roster and isn't necessarily marketed like a star by Puma. So I say that it really depends on who is invested in you long-term. Adidas invested in Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence long-term. I feel like because of that, they have a plan for how they're going to move forward. It can't just be always who throws the most money at you. It's got to be the people who have a long-term plan for how they've invested in you uh, as a person, right? I, yeah. I, it would be very surprising to me if Adidas fumbled the bag with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Yeah, we will, we will see how they're ultimately marketed. But some of that is dependent upon how you play. But it is guest time, though. And now we're joined on the Reister or Wrong podcast by the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Mr. Jim Nagy. Thanks for coming on, Reister or Wrong. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I can't believe it. I'm on with George Reister, a guy that I scouted, it seems like, 
a lifetime ago. George, I'm not trying to age you. I'm aging myself. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm, like long- I'm aging, dude. I, I have a son who is now a recruitable athlete. So <laughs> out of my out, son out just of, I'm with you, man. My son just got his driver's license last week. So listen, these are scary, scary times out on these streets and scary times <laughs> just out in general. Um, but so you came on board with the senior bowl in 2018. And so there were clearly challenges in bringing the senior bowl into the modern era and then like COVID restrictions aside, like how do you feel that your vision has been executed so far? And then what's the next step for the game? Yeah, we've made a lot of progress. Um, not sad. We're happy, but not satisfied. Maybe the best way of putting it. Yeah, we, we've made up a lot of ground, uh, especially on the, on the football side, really trying to, uh, you know, operate like a NFL scouting department you know we got uh tape in the office for the first time and never had that we had a um put together a scouting staff the first couple of years couldn't do it with covid this year but we had a we had a scouting staff full of uh former nfl scouts you know guys that found themselves out of work i mean that, that happens when you work in football uh you find yourself without a job every once in a while so brought in guys to the fold that uh i knew from from my time in the league and, and that was great um, so it's it's been a, a cool process seeing that whole piece come together, really build a football operation, and then uh, uh, you know on the on the social media side, uh, we had a long way to go. Um, we were not utilizing social media like we could. It's really been an awesome recruiting tool for us, and uh, also we, you know the main goal when we started with the social media stuff was just to pull back the curtain and kind of show everyone what we're doing and no secrets and here's who we like and. Here's who we're going after, and here's how we operate. So um, we've been made major traction on that front as well. Uh, you know, just in terms of those numbers, you know, January of 2020, um, between my account, my personal account, and senior bowl account, we were at like 28 million impressions. Um, and then this year, 2021, we we're at 77 million just for the month of January. So, you know, when I got here, a million a million impressions was a good month. So we've made, uh, obviously, tremendous strides that way and just trying to grow the reach of the game and the exposure of the game and, and uh, you know, really putting it on, on, on a bigger platform. I imagine that with your background as a scout, one of the goals coming in was to make it as streamlined a process um, for scouts as possible. And uh, I was just wondering what mindset a, a scout needs to bring into the senior bowl experience to ensure they've got maximum success in uncovering the best possible fits for their respective teams. Well, you know, the goal of the goal of not only trying to help guys out that find themselves in that transition area for a year. I mean, a lot of times these guys are still under contract for a year with their clubs, but um, aside that, aside from giving these guys a soft landing spot for a year, uh, it also it's nice knowing you've got some some trusted eyes, some some guys that have they've done it before. They know what they're looking at. So uh, I can't get all over the whole country. I mean, we you know we're trying to build this thing like a like a, a football an NFL operation, but we don't have uh, we're not a billion dollar operation here. So um, I, I've got to trust those guys when they see guys out in California and Oregon. Um, I won't get my eyeballs on those guys. I can certainly watch all the tape, which I do. Um, but it's nice having guys out at games and relying on their contacts in that area. Again, I, I've got sources all over the country just from my, you know, 18 years in the league. But I don't have time. It's, a too, it's too much manpower for one man to be, uh, you know, calling up schools and sources and being everywhere. So it's great having a trusted network of guys that have done it a long time. 
Jim, it seemed like that I remember when from the time that I came out until a couple years ago that the senior bowl became a place for the top guys not to go, <laughs> you know, or they would just go and they would just test and say, oh, yeah, I know. Or, or I'm just going to do interviews. I'll do height and weight. And that that's about it. But lately, it seems like you've had some premium guys like you look at Justin Herbert other and other quarterbacks have said no no no, I'm I'm gonna go to the senior bowl and I'm gonna try to show out and so like what's been the change in getting some of those guys to commit to playing in the game and also kind of going through that whole process there yeah I mean we we We've had a lot of success, but even in the past, I mean, look, Aaron Donald is in this game. Von Miller was in this game. I mean, they've had Eric Fisher was the number one pick in the draft. Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in the draft. So um, if Mac Jones goes this week in the in the top 10, that'll be six years in a row. We've had a top 10 quarterback. Um, but, yeah, just trying to change the mindset a little bit of, um, you know, agents really kind of saw their, if they had a client that was a, a lock first round pick, why send him to the senior bowl? And I, I, I just totally oppose that mindset. I think those guys have more to gain by coming here. And that's what I've tried to preach to the, you know, to the agent community. If you've got a guy in the first round and he goes from 23 to 18, he's making more money in those five spots. And if you send a guy down here in the fourth round, he goes in the second. Like those, there's so much money attached to every one of those spots high in the draft. You come down here, at a, you know, Daniel Jones came down here probably a mid to late ones to so say he goes 18 he ends up going six overall. I mean, that's that's millions and millions of dollars, you know, and Mac Jones is going to be a great example of that this year. He was a late one early two coming down here. I mean, that was that was the discussion point with Mac and his mom when I met with met with him um, prior to coming to Mobiles. Right now, here's where you're at. And now look at the money he's going to he's going to. So he's going to be making. So, yeah, it's great when you get stories like Terry McLaurin came down here a fifth or sixth round pick for most teams and left a third rounder. Um, but if you can move up, you know, in that first round range, even a couple spots, you've you've made a lot more money than even those mid mid uh, mid or, or day two guys. Looking back to your time scouting for individual NFL teams, how do you navigate the waters and politics of being very passionate about uh, a specific prospect and whether they should be on your team's board or not? But there isn't necessarily consensus amongst the ultimate decision makers. Well, I think you learn that as a scout, and, and every group is different. Um, I, you know, I, I worked for a, a couple different teams, a few different teams, and, and every scouting group is different. So you, you kind of got to know how to – it's really how to handle yourself in the room, you know, when to push, when to pull back. Um, and that's – to me, there, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to, a lot to the dynamics of a draft room that, uh, you know, as young scouts sometimes – at least I did, I'll speak for myself – like – push too hard at times, you know, try to prove myself too much as a young guy. So, um, but uh, you, you acquire that with time. You got to, it's something you really got to feel out. Yeah. And some of those players, you know, there, there isn't a consensus about like, for instance, I have been very vocal about, I believe that Mac Jones will be a, a long time NFL quarterback, but I see him more maybe like Chase Daniel or even a falls where he can spot start. I, I just don't see the the exceptional talent. I am open to being wrong, but how do you guys kind of face that sort of sort of thing? Because there are so many intangibles, particularly at the quarterback position. 
Yeah, I love yeah, Mac Jones. Please talk George into Mac Jones. Yeah, that's that's the hard part, George, with with all these guys. I mean, in the media, on the out, I call it the outside world. I mean, I, in the on the outside, we don't know the makeup stuff. George, you played. Like, there's a reason why guys stay in the league. Yeah. To me, there's like 80 percent of the guys in the league are the same guy. You know, in terms of talent. Yeah. You've got like that top. You got that top five to ten percent. You got the Von Millers and the Aaron Donalds. Those guys are freaks. Then you've got the 80% in the middle who are all the same guy. And then you got the lesser guys, that bottom 10%. And those are the practice squad guys and the bottom of the roster guys that are constantly churning. So what separates – why why does that 80% stay in? What separates them? Work ethic, character, passion for the game, competitiveness. Just dealing – like being able to manage an NFL lifestyle, you know, and everything that comes with that, the demands of family and friends and – um, more time on your hands. So the bottom 10% is those guys that you're just churning on the back end of the roster, you know, and they're, they're kind of fillers and you, you're giving them a shot. They're kind of, um, but again, those guys, you know, that, that, that's separate categories. And then you asked me about Mac Jones. Um, I mean, I could sit here and try to sell you on him. I, you brought up uh, Nick Foles and, and Chase Daniels, and I scouted both those guys coming out of college. George, I'll tell you, it ain't close, man. It ain't close between Mac Jones and those two guys. It, it really isn't. So um, I don't, I don't want to waste your time like sitting here <laughs> pounding the table for Mac Jones, but that that's not close. All right. So, in my in my opinion, in okay, my opinion, so, I all right. Doing so Nick he's, Foles coming out of Arizona and Chase coming out of Missouri, it's not close. Okay. So real real quick though, about quarterbacks, right? My my assessment of Tua turned out to be right last year. I think he can still be a tremendous quarterback in the league, but I thought that because he didn't have as many high leverage throws in college, like when when you're the quarterback at Alabama, every throw doesn't matter quite as much because your defense is so good. Your wide receivers, they'll make catches. They're running wide open a lot of times. I thought that he would have some difficulty with the willingness to throw in some of the tighter windows in the NFL because that's not what he faced at Alabama the majority of time. And I think that that and it proved true. He was very accurate this last year. But when it came to willingness to throw in tight windows, he was like, "Uh, uh-uh, no, 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 because this is not what he was used to. Uh, could Mac Jones face the same, you know, trouble going into the league? I agree with your assessment of Tua. Um, cause I saw that too. Uh, I saw that in him, but the point you made about Bama offense, you can make the same case for the, any Ohio state quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, Justin yeah. Fields. You can make it for any Oklahoma quarterback, Baker, Jalen hurts, Kyler Murray. You can make it for Deshaun Watson and Lord and Trevor Lawrence. That's what's hard, guys. See, like, see, I couldn't m- make it, though, for the Oklahoma quarterbacks only because their defense was so bad that they were all high-leverage throws because they couldn't afford to turn the ball over. <laughs> my, po- my point is, like, you used to love as a scout to be able to say that this quarterback lifted the people around him. Like, he made everyone around him better. He was the reason why they were great. Like, every time Oklahoma takes the field in the Big 12, every time Clemson takes the field in the ACC – Every time Ohio State takes the field in the Big Ten, and every time Alabama takes the field in the SEC, and really Alabama less so than the other ones, they're so much better on offense talent-wise than the defense they're going up against. Like, you can't make a case that those guys – how are we to say any of these guys really made their teams better? How much better did Trevor Lawrence make Clemson? Were they going to be good regardless of who was at quarterback? Was Ohio State going to be 
good at quarter on their team, regardless of Justin Fields. So yeah. it's getting harder to say because the, the haves and the have-nots in college football, I mean, we know that's the problem with college football right now. We know at the start of every season it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then maybe pick a random team. That's where we're at. They're, those teams are so much better. That's the hard part with all these guys. All these guys we're talking about, and, and even Trey Lance with North Dakota State, he might have a bigger advantage. Like every time the Bison take the field, how much better are they than the next team they play against? So yes. like, that's the hardest part. You, they, they drop back. They're being protected. They're throwing a guy's huge open windows. I do agree with Tua, the willingness to test tight windows. I don't see that with Mac, though. Mac will fire it in. Um, so that's that's really been a difficult part of the evaluation. But, you know, as we've gone on, as we uh, where we're at here in college football, that is a hard thing to sort out with these quarterbacks. Because that's not the NFL. The, the NFL, everyone's the same, right? Talent level's so close. It's the margin's like this. Um, so you're not taking the field with people you're you're vastly, vastly better than on a weekly basis. Let's keep it on quarterbacks because I think the narrative on Trevor Lawrence has been set probably since he was a sophomore in high school. Um, the, the next coming of, uh, of like quarterback Jesus and the most touted prospect since Andrew Luck. I think that we've learned some lessons lessons from Andrew Luck's time with Indianapolis. Not that he was going to be a guy that pounded the table and, you know, build around me, protect me. Um, But when you look at what happened with Andrew Luck's career, if you're taking Trevor Lawrence first overall, are you putting him in the room to make sure that he feels supported on, on personnel decisions on where he feels he needs um, extra protection? I mean, because if, if he is going to be, on that level, and we know that a lot of Andrew Luck's uh, unrealized potential came from them sort of just being able to, to, to feel like he could make up for any of their offensive deficiencies. Are, are you putting Trevor Lawrence in a situation as a GM, as an owner, to try to have input on what you're doing offensively and how you build around him? I might give him some input on what we're doing schematically. I don't give him input on the draft and who we're drafting. I mean, that's the general manager's job. I mean, if a general right. manager doesn't if a GM if a GM and a head coach don't know that you should get you know, build an offensive liner on a young quarterback, well then what are they doing? You know, you don't need Trevor Lawrence in the room to tell you that. Um, so we're we're starting to see the LeBron effect kind of make its way over to the NFL right now where where a lot of these big time quarterbacks feel like they deserve input. Um, never seen that before, guys. Like in, in my 18 years in the league, not one time did anyone ever bring up, well, such and such, our quarterback A thinks we need to do this. Like that was never part of the discussion, right? Um, that's why that's why GMs and head coaches get paid. Now, in, in rare cases, like if you're an Aaron Rodgers and he's 38 years old and he's done everything he's done for that franchise or, or a Tom Brady, and he wants it, and of course my door would be open if I was a GM. And I wouldn't shut my door on that guy. I'd listen to him for sure. Um, but like Trevor Lawrence coming in the door as a rookie quarterback, no way. Um, yeah. uh, to me, to me, that's something you got to earn. Those guys got those guys got pelts on the wall, man. Like if Russell Wilson wants to open up Pete Carroll's door and, and come rap about the draft and kind of what he sees his skill group being and where he thinks they might need might need help. I mean, I, I would definitely listen to him, but um, I think you got to earn that. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I I, I believe that both things are true, that you have to, for guys who've earned it, 
that you listen and that the team shouldn't necessarily do what the player wants. But at the same time, I think that there's like that the player should factor in maybe if he's a great player, five to 10 percent of the of of your decision making process that at least that that's cognizant and he has at least a voice in the room. But uh, I saw a tweet that you sent out uh, from talking about Urban Meyer, about being a source for NFL teams. And because as a college coach, those are your guys like the, the the guy you recruited. He was your quarterback or whatever position for three or four years. Like, how can a head coach honestly give scouts information when it reflects on him or, or he has some sort of personal connection and love for that guy like he's a family member? Yeah, it's uh, that one's tough, guys, because I, I don't I when I was a scout, when I went into a building, um, I would seek the head coach out like I, I, if I saw him at practice or saw him in the hallway. I would thank him for letting me be in the building that day. That's his building. You know, you got to be a, a gracious guest. But in terms of like going to him and asking him for, you know, especially for like a quarterback, like people are getting on the 49ers for not asking about Mac Jones. You should be able to get that answer without going to the head coach and putting it. I feel like you're putting the head coach in a bad spot personally. Like I would feel to me, that's a little awkward because the head coach is the one that had to go in the living room with mom or dad or aunt or uncle or grandma, whoever, whoever was the support system. And they promised that those people that he was going to take care of their, their son, you know, or their, or, or their, or their boy, like he was going to help grow them and form them. And then to go around and really like, say the player had issues, you know, say the guy, say the player had issues. Like that's not his job to dish that on, on his players. You can't put him in that position. So out of respect, I wouldn't go to the head coach and ask him to do that. Like you should be able to, if you're a good enough scout and you've been in buildings year in and year out and you've worked hard at developing relationships, you can get that information from someone other than the head coach. So how do some people you need, I was just going to say some people you need that extra information from, because we've got guys like Davis Mills in this draft, who was a number one overall recruit coming out of high school. You've got guys like Trey Lance um, who had a perfect season, but I mean, didn't play this last year. And so as much information as you could possibly gather on guys who don't have, um, you know, didn't have the opportunity to go out and throw 400 passes this last year, like Zach Wilson, you know, sometimes it feels like, um, you would you would want to go that extra mile just as a scout yourself. What do you put more? Um, I don't want to say value because I mean, the answer there is obvious. But what excites you more? I guess the the idea um, that that something you do could uncover a diamond in the rough, like a guy in uh, Trey Lance or Davis Mills, or you see someone put together the the ultimate season. Um, competition be damned like Zach Wilson and you're able to just kind of evaluate based on what they produced. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking, yeah, you, you uncover guys, you're not uncovering a Trey Lance. I mean, he's going in the top (laughs) 10. I mean, as a scout, you, you take a lot of your pride in your, your late day three picks. I mean, you're, you've got a ton of input on that six, seventh round priority free agents. GMs don't have, they don't have the time, quite frankly, to, to watch guys that are in the sixth and seventh round and have intimate knowledge of those guys. So as a scout, that's where you make your name. Um, you pound the table for the right guys. They make your team. They turn into starters. Then you're starting to develop some clout within your organization as a guy that can, knows what he's looking at. 
But fellas, I got to jump. I got another. I got a call in Seattle. I got to got. We got a really tight schedule here. But uh, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. All right, thanks, Jim. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Vanta automates compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more, saving you time and money. With Vanta, you can streamline security reviews by automating questionnaires and demonstrating your security posture with a customer-facing trust center. Over 7,000 global companies like Atlassian, Flow Health, and Quora use Vanta to build trust and prove security in real time. Listeners can claim a special offer of $1,000 off Vanta at vanta.com slash special. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash special for $1,000 off Vanta. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, Ralph, what were your biggest takeaways from everything Jim said? Oh, that I have bad questions. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of times where he, uh, it felt like he, he had himself from laughing at me. Uh, but I mean, I think hey, that your, your, the, your microphone is not, uh, you're, you're going through your computer audio right now. Oh, there we go. There we go. There you go. All right. Let me. All right. All right. Um, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway was that uh, it's very possible that Mac Jones is better than we're giving him credit for. Mm mm. I'm not buying it, bro. I am not buying it. I am sticking to my guns. And like, I want the kid to be successful, right? And so I'm trying not to be invested in me being right. So for for his sake, I, I hope I'm wrong. But here's the thing is, if I'm wrong and he's super good, that means that I'm wrong also about either Trevor Lawrence like it could be Trevor Lawrence, it could be Justin Fields, could be Trey Lance. 
like because all of them are not going to be good. There's five quarterbacks who may go in the top 10 or in, or in the first round. Maximum two of them are NFL starters. And then maximum one of them is kind of a journeyman. And then two of them will wash out. So if Mac Jones is that successful guy, that means either Trey Lance, Zach Jones. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson, which I, that which would make sense to me. Uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields flamed out as well. That that two out of those four flames out and one of them's a journeyman and one of them is successful. So then you get to pick. We're just in a completely different world of what it is to be a quarterback. We see the Denver Broncos are essentially giving up on Drew Locke at age 24. We see the entire NFL kind of give up on Josh Rosen after he was surrounded by garbage roster, and coached yeah. by garbage. Yeah. Worst roster as far as like talent and coaches. And, uh, and so if you come in and you don't impress right away, which that didn't used to be the expectation of And if you look at the NFL's most successful quarterbacks, did Tom Brady play year one? Nope. Aaron Rodgers? Nope. Did Aaron Rodgers? Nope. Patrick Mahomes? Nope. Well, at the very like, there's end. A re- Lamar yeah, Jackson? Yeah, but there's a recipe yep. for this. Yes, there is a recipe to this. There has always been a recipe to this. If you throw somebody to the Wolves right away and you don't have the patience to stomach what throwing them to the Wolves looks like, like the people. people's memories are so short. Peyton Manning threw like 30 interceptions. In his first 20 games. Yep. Like the the best rookie season, the best rookie season that we've seen from a quarterback might belong to Sam Bradford. And and it's possible that him getting all those reps as early as he got them contributed to the fact that he there was five or six years at the end of the, his career that he left on the table as far as just his health goes. And so uh, I, I don't really understand what NFL teams are trying to do. Um, and perhaps it, it comes down to the fact that the overall value of uh, a number one pick ever since Matt Stafford and Sam Bradford got paid, paid, and the NFL had to change their rules to protect GMs from how crazy some of these contracts were getting. Ever since then, the value of some of these draft picks, you can churn and burn a lot easier. There's a lot less consequence. You don't have to be as careful. But at the end of the day, you it, it still benefits these quarterbacks to come into a system where they don't have to be the guy right away. And if you're trying to take a quarterback in the top 10, and we might see as many as five quarterbacks go in the top 10, a lot of those quarterbacks are going to be expected to come in and contribute immediately. Honestly, Mac Jones might end up having a pretty decent career if the 49ers pick him and he isn't forced to play immediately. Yep. Yeah. See, it, like we haven't seen like a quarterback draft like this in terms of so many since like, like 98, 99, when you had couch go first, yeah, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith. Um, who who else was in that draft? Like they they had five quarterbacks going. Oh, Dante Culpepper and somebody else went in the top. Tw- oh, Cade Cade McNown. That's who it was. Uh, all went in the top twelve. So yeah, one, two, three, ten, and twelve. So that's which is what crazy we're to me because this year, which is crazy to me because a couple of years back, just because. 
a bunch of teams made a mistake doesn't mean that that wasn't really the draft where you had the most talented quarterbacks. Uh, the one where Lamar Jackson ended up being one of the, 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 the later picks of the top five quarterbacks that were taken. I would take that draft over this draft, even with Trevor Lawrence, quarterback yeah. Jesus, as part of it. Yeah, I mean, part of part of it is that we know the results on some level from Josh Allen and from Lamar Jackson. So you've gotten an MVP, a guy who is in the MVP com- conversation, along with Baker Mayfield, who's in the playoffs, too. So, yeah. Um, oh, oh, so um, next thing up, though, is uh, speaking of college still, Mark Emmert, the <laughs> The president of the NCAA, the guy who allowed the women's game to uh, f- to get second hand-me-downs, the man who has faltered on name, image, and likeness, and pretty much every other piece of notable and major legislation that college sports has needed has been late to the game and failed on it. He has gotten a contract extension through 2024, 2025. And this feels like when Larry Scott announced his, when he called a company-wide meeting for the Pac-12 and announced, everybody thought he was going to be announcing a direct TV deal, but he was like, no, guys, just letting you know I'll be your leader. I signed a new contract. I got a raise. I know you didn't get a raise. I know you're living in... I know you're commuting to San Francisco or living a very expensive place and not being able to afford it. But look, I'm rich, so it's fine. I'm I'm your leader. I'm here. And that's the way it feels with Mark Emmert getting an extension and the people that gave it to him. I, it's inexplicable. There's only one power five representative on the list, and that's Colorado. And it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're right. I, I looked at the uh, the list of people who um, who vouched for this, and I, I would like to hear individually answers from every single one of them, including Rita Chung, the president of Northern Arizona University. Like, what what benefit is Mark Emmert providing the NCAA that somebody else couldn't? Like they, they essentially came out yesterday and issued several statements all in a row. I mean, it was a, a massive news dump. Um, and one of which was like, hey, we're still committed to the name, image and likeness process, which no, they're not. If they nice. were committed, it would be done already. Except they said we're still committed to Congress it. Congress and the Senate to do it for them. But they've tied they've tied everybody up. Like they've lobbied to tie everybody up, which has caused this entire process to drag out a lot longer than it needed to. But in the statement that they issued, essentially, they said is like, hey, we know that we need to modernize our rules. It's not a it's not a matter of modernization. The second that they go this route, they know that it's an admission that they've been doing things the wrong way. And they're going to try to paint it as better late than never. But the truth of the matter is, like, they've been so behind the times on this for such a long time. I still remember Mark Emmert testifying in the Ed O'Bannon trial seven years ago, talking about how how it would be detrimental to the college game to open up the possibility of compensation after they graduate – because if you have guaranteed compensation after graduation, 
then current student athletes could use the guarantee of future compensation to borrow against it in the present. So you could have people who have a trouble getting to and from practices who have trouble getting to and from being able to see their families, be able to do something like take out a car loan because you're borrowing against future income, guaranteed future income. He was against that seven years ago. He's been against any type of compensation. It, honestly, if the tide hadn't turned so violently against the opinion of the higher ups at the NCAA, nothing would have changed. Yep. He is not the man to bring the NCAA into the future. His entire job has been to protect the NCAA uh, from having to share. See, that's I been his entire job. They gave him the extension is because they're in a situation where they don't want to bring in a new president while all of this name, image, and likeness legislation is going on. They're like, we will let. Uh, Congress and the Senate figure it out and then Mark Marco eat all these bullets and then we'll fire him and bring somebody else in to usher in the future because it would be weird to bring somebody in now because these are trying times and also a time where the NCAA is clearly losing a lot of its power because people don't care about these sanctions they're giving them the uh, Kansas sure didn't care they gave Bill Self a lifetime contract Arizona got a slap on the wrist, USC. Um, yeah, and so the chancellors from Colorado, North Carolina State, Oklahoma, president at Oklahoma State, and Georgia, I, I just, for the life of me, I cannot make any sense of how they thought that they were being benefited by this at all. And I, yeah, I... I I just don't have a lot of positive things to say about Mark Emmert. Like there's certain stuff that he said in the past. One of the things that he said that has always struck me as very odd is, you know, there was a time in the Ed O'Bannon trial where, where the lawyers for the plaintiffs showed a bunch of photos in the background of players wearing, um, clothing and with backdrops and water bottles on the table, everything emblazoned with corporate logos that essentially all went to help fund something with the schools or the coaches or the facilities, but none of that went to the players. And Mark Emmert says, those things are fine under the rules, but it's not something I'm personally comfortable with. So like this entire idea that Mark Emmert the entire time has been against commercialization of any kind, but has just sat back and reaped the benefits of it is gross. Yep is gross. Like if he's out here saying like, Hey, the rules are the rules. I'm not in control of any of the rules. And if I benefit from it, I benefit from it. That doesn't mean that I like it. Like Dude, those type you're of the president. response. Yeah. Right. No, you are the rules. You are the law. Yep. And this idea that when people get confronted with, with like, well, I can't change that. That's the way things are. Then what is the point of you? Yep. What is the point of you? You do 100%. Do you? There's a lot of people, though, that don't have nice things to say about one of my favorite people, athletes at least, and that's LeBron James. So the back, the blue crowd has been on his neck ever since he posted the picture on uh, on Twitter that said, you're, you're next, in response to the officer that shot Makia Bryant. And I, it, it has been a disaster for him. 
I thought he did a good job in terms of owning his mistake, right? He he owned it. He was like, yo, we, we need to wait till all the facts come out. But it is troubling when you do continue to have these shootings, all this. I think he spoke a little bit too soon in that case, because I thought that, like, granted, we do need to have a conversation about. Like, we, we do need to have conversations about you know, about deadly force and maybe how it's used, when it's used, being that she did call the police and it was a stand your ground state, you know, shoot to injure, shoot to kill. That's a conversation. But when I watched the video, I could not see, you know, I could see where they were how a police officer could make that choice. So I didn't think he was criminally negligent, but I do think that there that the maybe the bias or the criminality of people when you show up that that may what needs to be addressed in the situation. But she had a knife. I mean, it's it's a it's a, you know, it's a situation that's a little bit different than what we've seen in other circumstances. So, yeah, so, so the police are mad at LeBron James right, right now because they're saying, and there was even a man who owns a bar in Ohio who said that he is not even allowing NBA games to be shown in his bar until LeBron James is expelled from the NBA. And I'm like, LeBron James expelled from the NBA? Like, do you realize that that's not happening, pal? The in LeBron carries the water for the NBA. He's been the NBA's most important player for the better part of a decade. Like, there's not a snowball chance in hell that the NBA is going to kick LeBron out. We're talking about the man who sent over a thousand kids to college. He sent over a thousand kids to college and we're supposed to uh, kick LeBron James out. Yeah. How, how about no, there's not a chance in hell that the NBA would even consider that. And the fact that people would even ask for that is strange to me because at, like you, you have to look at whether the good outweighs the bad because LeBron, yes, he did. I thought he did make a misstep and maybe he didn't fully understand and realize initially how big of a uh, like how his tweet was going to be received. But once he did, he corrected course. He changed and he repented. So I don't have a problem with Le LeBron in this way. We we got a we got an email from uh, to the email address mad at unafraidshow .com. Oh yes, I'm glad you remember. And uh, yeah, I, well, call this guy Jake. I don't want to put his name out there in case anybody's like a super LeBron fan or anybody's on. I, I don't want anybody to fight over this. But he said LeBron James is a joke. Maybe the dumbest pro athlete ever. What he did regarding the police officer is completely unforgivable. Wake up and I. I think the wake up was directed toward us. Um, <laughs> LeBron James has chosen to, unlike Michael 
Jordan to put himself out there on a variety of topics. He he acts like one of us. He's not one of us, but he acts like one of us. Um, you know, he's a he's a 36 year old who anytime something is trending, he'll he might weigh in on it. And that opens him up for a lot of criticism. And, you know, it it was tough to see him try to navigate the waters of the the conundrum that the entire NBA was put in um, as far as weighing in on Taiwan and the Uyghurs and China's record on human rights, when the reason that so many people in the NBA actually shut up about it is because a lot of their money comes from that. And so it's a lot easier to speak out on social issues that are domestic than it is foreign because domestic social issues in a country like the United States, where we have the freedom to say the things that we're going to say, don't always affect your bottom line in the way that saying something bad about the Chinese government would affect your bottom line. So, you know, I, I thought that that was a career defining thing that we're going to be talking about as far as LeBron James for a very, very long time. As far as this, this just felt like an emotional 36-year-old black man coming off of the a guilty verdict of one person being convicted for killing a black man in the street saying like hey you're the next person to face the the justice system now the justice system is also open to people like us um and I think that a lot of people are super disingenuous with their criticisms of LeBron James. But I also think there's a lot of people with relatives who are police officers who look at the most famous athlete in the United States of America, putting a police officer's photo out there um, when we don't necessarily have all the facts and saying you're next, uh, like he's Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat or something like that. And I think that that left a bad taste in their mouth. So I don't have any time or energy to give to the people who are being disingenuous, but I do understand some of the frustration with LeBron on this issue. Yeah, I understand it. He admitted he messed up. You know what I mean? And see, I would rather, honestly, right? The, you have somebody who has a heart to do the right things and makes a misstep. Than somebody who doesn't care or doesn't want to participate. They the old, you know, I'm not black, I'm OJ. He like, okay. Like <laughs> I, I would rather that because and hopefully LeBron learned a lesson from it in how to react to these situations, maybe to be a tad bit more me- measured in the situation, but I would rather somebody who's who's passionate and cares and tries to rein it rein it in because the one thing i always say about lebron when in his defense is this all the people who have bad things to say about him they talk trash all of that how many of them would would pony up a hundred million of their own dollars that he's committed to helping kids go to college over a thousand kids he's helped start a school he's uh like he He's turning his people in his circle into millionaires and giving them opportunities too. so many of these people, politicians talking heads on TV. They are like, it sounds good to critique LeBron, but when it comes down to it, if they had that same influence and platform, they would not be doing this as much to help other people. And it's evident by how much they don't do to help people now. So, yeah, LeBron screwed up, and yes, he should be criticized for screwing up. 
But to say that this dude should be thrown in the trash, kicked out of the NBA for a mistake and a mistake that was rooted in good intentions, it, it's it, I, that people can go fly a kite with that one. Yeah, I just think I, I, LeBron James is a 36-year-old trying to participate in society. I think that he doesn't always have a full understanding um, which is on him uh, of of his impact. While he also does have a full understanding of his impact, and it goes back and forth. I one of the reasons that I work with you, George, and I love working with you, is you are a believer that people should participate in society. That you don't surrender your citizenry just because you have another title of some sort. And that's something that I think that you and I the eye to eye on. And so I am all for LeBron James and anybody else in this world weighing in on any topic that they want to. You just have to have an understanding of your level of influence and also that there's going to be people who do not disagree or uh, do not always agree with you. But I think the main lesson here is that don't make people idols or heroes. People are people. We need to treat them as people. And if all of these people, especially like the MAGA crowd, who all hates LeBron, it seems like, if the MAGA crowd can spend the last five years saying, hey, I don't worship Donald Trump. I pick and choose the things that I like about him and I choose to support him and then leave the bad, then they should be able to understand that you don't just outright cancel LeBron James forever, that you should be able to take the things that you like about LeBron James, whether it's what he does on the court or what he does um, for, for kids or how he impacts society in one way, and you could take some of the other things and say like i don't support that either you know but the truth of the matter is way too many of us are all in or all out on people and i just don't think that's the way to go about things absolutely you are 100 percent right about that high five casino high five casino is a social casino with real prizes and big vegas hits at highfivecasino.com the hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com HighFiveCasino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com HighFiveCasino With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi Elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, the next thing up is uh, cancel or consequence. Do we need to do we cancel? Cancel, cancel, cancel? Or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. Now, 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 now. So, can you believe Dr. J 
is getting severe hate. The Dr. J, who he's, it's not getting, uh, it's about, and it relates to LeBron James because Dr. J put out his two, um, his all-time NBA teams, right? His all-time NBA teams. And he left LeBron James off, left him off. I was like, are you kidding me? So he's got Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Bill Russell, and Wilt Chamberlain on his first team All-NBA history. Second team, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And for me, I looked at this and I was like, oh, this is pretty typical. I've seen this before where older players have trouble with accurately giving people who didn't play in their era that played after them their just due. And the fact that he has Michael Jordan, for, forget the fact that he left LeBron James off, the fact that he has Michael Jordan on his second team all time is criminal already, and it discounts his list. <laughs> so are you mad, are you mad at Dr. J for this? Yes. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not mad at him. I just realized what it is. He's an old man who hates LeBron for, he said, because he started the super team era. And I just think that it's interesting that you're like the super teams already existed because there wasn't free agency in the same way. So you have the Boston Celtics having like four Hall of Famers on one team and the Lakers having four Hall of Famers on the team with like Magic, Kareem, Worthy, all them dudes. Same thing with the Celtics. Those were super teams. Like, does Dr. J not realize that? There's a difference between retroactively looking at a team as a super team based on the success that they had and the era that was created by the, and people are going to take this word the wrong way, but it, it means what it means, by the collusion of Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh to all join the Heat to chase rings, right? LeBron James didn't start this, but he popularized it. Cause if you, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Charles Barkley going to the Rockets. I'm definitely old enough to remember Carl Malone and Gary Payton going to the Lakers. Ring chasing has always been a thing, but as far as player organized super teams, I think LeBron James changed the game in that he set the precedent for a guy like Kevin Durant to lose a three, one lead and then join the team that he had a 3-1 lead over in order to win two rings and a guy like James Harden to show up show up overweight and, and get himself a roster spot right. on the nets. And like, I, I think that if it wouldn't have been LeBron James, it would have been somebody else. But I do think that there is a growing disdain. And what's funny is there's plenty of on-camera interviews of Dr. J saying that LeBron James is a top 10 player of all time, you know, but people in their era are going to protect their era. And Julius Irving believes that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best basketball player of all time. And that's his opinion. And that's fine. Um, but I, I do get some of the animosity toward the new era. A lot of people feel this way. It doesn't mean that you're right. 
It just means that that's how you feel. And I think there's a difference between retroactively looking at something as a super team when it was an NBA general manager that was doing the majority of the the, the moving around um, and when the players ultimately took control to change the NBA into what their AAU experience used to be. All right. Well, yeah. And the fact that he left LeBron off is just like, how can you leave him off? You can still hate the super team thing, but you got to appreciate him as one of the best players of all time. That's absolute crazy. I'm 10 times angrier with Dr. J for having Carl Malone on here than I am for leaving LeBron James off. Like Tim Duncan should be on there instead of Carl, Carl Malone. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, um, like, oh, I hate Carl Malone so much. <laughs> But now it's time for the best of social media. So the best of social media is here. Um, yeah. So now, 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 here's the best of social media. Ralph, I'll let you start us out here, buddy. Here you go. What are we looking at? I have taken to uh, probably 66% of our meals have been microwavable. <laughs> oh my God. Are you trying to kill no, your kids? I, uh, <laughs> I got big divorce dad energy. Right now. And, it's, <laughs> and part of it is just like, there's so much other stuff going on that I'm trying to fix and on top of that. That's just been what, what, what is to be that burrito that you saw in that photo. That was for me. That was a quick morning snack. Uh, I threw it in the microwave. It's just frozen tortilla. Almost burned the house down trying to cook that thing. Well, and no. of course, El Monterey, because they only charge 79 cents of frozen burritos, can't afford somebody to run their social media. So there was no way for me to complain. Phone number, and I'm definitely. They didn't even that. reply to your tweet. They don't have. They don't have a Twitter. No El way. Monterey burritos does not have a Twitter. Are you serious? I am dead serious. That's why. And I wasn't trying to be like Jensen Carp with the <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch shrimp tails. I just wanted to know, like, what's going on at your burrito factory? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's wild, dude. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have been eating them frozen burritos anyway. You should have had the organic kind from uh, Costco. The, the next thing in social media, we're looking at it right right now. Ralph, do you have on a do-rag or a koofy right now? <laughs> Man, that thing is so tight. I thought it was a koofy. It's my son's hat. It's my son's hat. I haven't been able to find all my stuff yet. It's all, A lot of my things are still in boxes. And, uh, and so I just needed a clean hat because I've been out doing yard work and all my other hats are all sweat stained and everything. I, I, I could do my hair for this podcast. But uh, so I put my son's hat on. My son's got a big head, but not big no, enough. No, his son's not that. Listen, that, that thing is probably cutting off your goofy. circulation to your brain right now. Um all right, just say, wait, you're just waiting for me to say the honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yeah, 
exactly. Uh, the next thing up in the best of social media is, but this is part of the worst of social media, really. Larger course of academic instruction. If you're teaching, if you're having a discussion on whatever the case may be on slavery, then you can talk about everything dealing with slavery, the good, the bad, the ugly. The there's, whole. there's no good to slavery, though. Well, then whatever, whatever the case may be. That reminds me of the Tom Cotton talking about, yeah, slavery was a necessary evil to establish the, the, the democracy. No, it wasn't. It's not necessary. You could have built it upon the, all the principles that you said you were going to do. It was still possible. Yeah, uh, there are uh, 6,350 black people in St. Bernard. Bernard Parish, where this uh, Ray Garofalo uh, represents. Um, and I, I think he owes them some answers. Absolutely, dude. 100 percent. He owes a lot of people answers at this point. Uh, the last thing on the best of social media, we don't have a picture for it, but there is a uh, tell, tell them about the poop fence. <laughs> OK. Okay, fence. first of all, have you ever had have you ever had like a high level dispute with a neighbor? Mm, no. No, not so you never had like a a a dispute with a neighbor where you're like exchanging words or being passive aggressive or anything like that? No, the only dispute that we had was that we had a neighbor's tree dumping trash in our pool like you know leaves it, it was a big shed mm -hmm. and it was hanging over our property and we asked them to cut it and they cut it that was it walked over to their house <laughs> and was like yo yo I, i'm gonna need you to cut that tree player it's all it's all up in our pool no problem no problem okay cool thank you that was it all right so this is in uh this is in lodi township in southeast michigan <laughs> and um <laughs> the the news went out there to talk to um to talk to the man that was responsible for constructing what is essentially a wall of poop and this whole thing emanates from um from a property line dispute and the farmer that they went out and talked to said it's not a poop wall this is a quote it's not a poop wall it's a compost fence yes so so that's they a wall have, of shit they, that's what it, that's a nice they name are, they are um, they're in a dispute over what the actual property line is, which I don't understand how that happens because you have like county records and stuff like that that you should be able um, to to determine uh, <laughs> you know what's what. Uh, but because of that property dispute, this farmer decided to pile up um, the manure that he usually spreads over you know his crops along that property line, um, which has caused the other neighbor to file complaints with the city, which is how this got to uh, to the news. Uh, who who do, you, <laughs> do you think this is a? Um, as long as the manure is on his property, do you think he's doing anything wrong here? Yes. He's dead ass wrong, dude. Dead ass wrong. But it's within his rights. Like there's a difference between something being, uh, you know, like that you're violating the social rules and you violating laws. Like you can vi violate the laws that govern, you know, like the actual laws that govern our society as opposed to like the unwritten rules. Like you're he's been a dick.
So I I get why why people why they do these things, but yeah, no, he's completely out of bounds for this. <laughs> do you want to hear the quote that the the other neighbor gave to the news? Okay. <laughs> it's just a shit pile over there. <laughs> it's like you can't leave the window open. The whole upstairs will smell like it. See, but th- this is one of them things like you go to go punish the other person, but you also punish yourself at the same time because your whole house smells smells like this, too. So, you know, so and what, go- what do I always say? What do I say? The, the stance that I take is I'm willing to lose a fight. I'm willing to lose. So I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Dude, I, dude, when you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. This is digging two graves right here. Um, you guys, thank you guys for listening to Reister or Wrong. I'm George Reister, probably Reister. Wait, I'm probably. Anyways, I forgot. Anyways, um, you guys. I guess that makes me wrong. <laughs> we'll catch you guys on Friday. Peace out. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.